It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment, and you can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. Well, I love 40s. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 602 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And please make sure you are checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We have got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got all 32 NFL teams covered as well. Uh, 27 NHL teams, I think, we're at right now with a national show and a fantasy show going too. So if you are in the need for some content, please check it out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Put it in your ears. And then please subscribe to rate and review the shows you want to support on whatever podcast platform you use. And without further ado, let's get to today's show. Joining me to talk about the 98-88 loss for the Raptors to the LA Clippers last night is our pal Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much. Talking to you. I'm actually uh, watching my boy Novak Djokovic on the side, so can't complain at all. You watching tennis? Nah, I don't. I don't buy it. <laughs> uh, how are you been enjoying uh, Raptors After Dark this week? Has it been uh, enjoyable for you? I'm having a great time staying up late to watch these games. Yeah, I mean, especially with the way they've been playing. I mean, when you look at what they were faced with when Lowry and Ibaka got injured, for them to perform the way they did against the Lakers. And then all of a sudden, it's like the expectations shifted, right? All of a sudden, you go into mm-hmm. the Clippers game and you're thinking, oh, you can beat this team. And they competed. They played their butts off. And you look at what Chris Boucher is doing and you look at the solid minutes that Terrence Davis is giving you. And then you look at Rondé Hollis-Jefferson getting right into Kawhi. And I love that there's just no intimidation factor Uh they don't feel intimidated by anyone anymore. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I think that's something you saw at times with the pre-Kawhi Raptors and Mm -hmm. almost like every time they went up against a superstar talent that they knew they were up against it. But they just don't feel that way at all. And again, the the offense sort of fell apart uh, going, going late into that game. But obviously they were fatigued. But they kept hanging in there with their defense. And this is this is the other takeaway I had from watching that game. It's like, you know, in, in, in games, you can feel those moments where it's like, oh, man, things can really get away here. Uh, this is where you got to watch out. But with this Raptors team, it just never gets that way because they're able to get string together stop after stop after stop. And so you can't get away from them. Yeah, I really can't recall this season outside of like the start of the Bucks game. 
a right. time where the Raptors gave up like a crippling huge run, right? Like that was yeah. tough in the first quarter of that Bucks game. But other than that, like they've just, their defense has been so ludicrous that even if their offense sputters like it did last night in much of the game outside of the third quarter, there's still so much room for error for them to work with because they're just turning it into stops on the other end constantly. And like, I don't know if it's just the matter of not having Serge and Kyle in the lineup and not having OG last night, but it seems like everyone's like, like leaning into being insane on defense and just like, I'm worried a little bit for their health. Like they're, they're like, maybe this is why they're so injured all the time. This season is because they play like maniacs on defense, but like, it just feels like every single one of them is taking pride in the, like the entire ethos that it seems like Nick nurse is trying to instill in the team of just like, no, no, we're, we're, we're motherfuckers on defense and that's how we're going to make our money, especially without Kyle and Ibaka. And like the, amount of collapsing around the rim to like gang rim protect has been absurd it seems like every time over the last two games in LA when someone gets to the basket whether it's Anthony Davis whether it's Montrez Harrell whether it's Kawhi whoever it is they like they're just collapsing and not even really worrying about the ramifications of doing the collapsing but they're just selling out to protect the rim and I believe they're leading the league in uh percentage or field goal percentage allowed at the rim I think Micah Adams tweeted this out last night um and with that one possession where there was like eight offensive rebounds and the Raptors somehow made it a stop last night um I think they probably uh, as Micah said clinched that top of the standings in, in field goal percentage at the rim allowed for the season because they've been monstrous there and it, like it seemed like it had an uptick over the last couple of games. And maybe that's just the style of team they were playing. Um, and it just sort of, it was more conducive to playing defense like that and kind of selling out to stop the rim. But it, it was very noticeable, I think. Uh, and I mean, it's hard not to be noticeable around the room with Chris Boucher is just like flying around, whether he's in position or out of position, he's just always got limbs in there. Um, very chaotic couple games, <laughs> like just a lot going on, <laughs> a lot of limbs, a lot of falling down. Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Shout out to Rondé, who uh, falls down more than anybody I've ever seen. I, I don't know if he has like leg lim- ligaments. It seems like when he takes like a step in a weird way, his leg kind of just collapses. But uh, he was awesome last night in 29 minutes <laughs> and apparently is now a rotation guy. And, and I guess that's sort of the biggest takeaway from these two games as we're sort of lumping them together. The Clippers one, I think, you know, a little less inspiring offensively than the uh, Lakers one, but that's fine. They, they were dead tired and they had no legs and it's totally cool. Um, but the the takeaway I have coming from these two games is that like they're going to come out of this injury spell in theory, if they get everybody back and have like an actual like 12 man rotation, like has typically been the case for the Raptors. And that, that's, that's pretty cool considering there was a time where it was seven or eight and the eighth guy was Patrick McCaw, who nobody trusted. And I don't know what, if you're looking at how guys have performed against the Clippers last night, against the Lakers on Saturday or Sunday, whenever they played um, now that you're sort of seeing what guys like Chris Boucher can do. And I'll admit going into the Lakers game, I was really worried about Chris Boucher. I tweeted in the first two minutes of him being on the floor that I don't think he's an NBA player. And then uh, the internet dragged me for good reason because he became awesome over the last two games. Um, (laughs) And having seen Rondé last night as sort of an interesting dive man who sets pretty mean screens i think and you know seeing terrence davis seeing matt thomas like what do you think the rotation should look like once they get everybody back okay so once you get everybody back you sort of have the big seven if if you will um that championship core and then you have Mm -hmm. i mean nick nurse just loves patrick mccaw so 
Um, based on that alone, I assume he will still be the eighth guy when he returns, um, <laughs> whether, whether that's for better or worse, uh, you know, uh, nurse seems to have an affinity towards him. So I would still lean to her, towards him being the eighth guy. Um, maybe he goes with Terrence Davis based on matchups. Uh, but yeah, that's sort of the eighth slash ninth guy. Then again, you know, the more I think about it, I honestly think, what nurse said earlier in the season um where it's kind of be gonna be a, a horses for courses thing and uh exclusively you know is it a situation where he needs a big and he turns to chris boucher it, does he need some shooting and he goes to matt thomas uh, does he need some defense and he goes to ronde i wouldn't be surprised if that's what he sort of went back to and but um at least now he knows that he can go to those options in spot minutes um and trust them to do that the thing that you just got me thinking about uh, with uh your talk about how intense the raptors have been defensively um and scares me now is i'm thinking about manchester united and i'm thinking about how (laughs) oligon and Solskjaer made it a point to have their most intense preseason ever because he wanted them to play this insane pressing style for essentially 90 minutes. And within the first month of the season, he seemingly had less than like 15 players to work with. So um, hopefully that is not where this Raptors season is headed because there's still 72 games to go. Um, But yeah, hopefully these guys have made a case that, you know, once everyone is healthy, you don't need Fred Van Vliet out on the court for 38 to 40 minutes. You don't need Kyle out there for 38 to 40 minutes. Uh, you know, Pascal played another 45. I mean, what, what is it? They played like 86, 87 minutes over, over the back-to-back. Uh, something like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The whole, so, yeah. Hopefully, that's a very short-term thing till um, Kyle and Ibaka are back. And, you know, I think the biggest thing might be the fact that you can now look at Rondé to really spell some of those Siakam minutes. Yeah, Siakam looked absolutely cooked by the end of last night in terms yeah. of his fatigue level. Like He had no legs, and he didn't really have many legs over the course of the two games, really. It was a little surprising to see him so flat in the first game, although you know Saturday in LA, maybe that was part of it. I'm not sure, but um, you know he was, what, 2 of 14 from 3 over the two games. The pull-up jumper right. didn't look like it quite had the juice on it. You could kind of tell as soon as it was coming out of his hand that it was going to end up front rim, and so... You know, I think we've kind of operated under the assumption that Pascal is like this energizer bunny who never, ever gets tired. And I think maybe that was a bit uh, unfair to expect that he would never get tired. And yeah, right. having Rondé... Sorry, go ahead. And we, did see it, we did see it take its toll in the playoffs as well. Um, yeah. We, we did see him get impacted by the load that he was carrying, the burden that he was carrying. You know, having been... You know, I think pretty much him and Danny were the two guys that played right through the regular season and then gave big minutes in the postseason. So, you know, and, and the other thing I will say in de- defensive Siakam, uh, over the course of the two games, um, I know it looked like he was settling for shots early, and you know, whether it was the first quarter or the second quarter. But I think that was just his own way of sort of managing himself and saying, hey, mm-hmm. maybe – if, if I can take some jumpers early here and get going, it makes my life easier. And then, you know, 
when when the team really needs me to get to the rim and whatnot, I can do that in the second half. I can do that in the fourth quarter. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a trend uh, while Kyle and Serge are out that, you know, he, tr- he tries to maybe just conserve some energy by going to the jumpers early. Obviously, getting to the rim first will maybe make that easier. But um, I, I, yeah, I don't blame him. They're asking a lot out of him right now. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm not concerned about like the rough shooting nights or anything like that. The last two games, I think the fatigue was a factor, and I also think like this is probably going to be the case over the next little while here. And we saw this with like Kawhi last night when he doesn't have his full complement of you know Paul George and everything. Like everyone who has that much of an offensive burden, everyone knows exactly what's coming. And the Raptors are really well prepared for Kawhi last night, and they were the Clippers and the Lakers are both prepared for Siakam and. Look, the looks he's going to get without Kyle on the floor are not going to be as good. You're not getting those really super easy, you know, 18 footers in the pick and pop that he he's that Kyle's so good at setting everybody up with. You're not getting anything connected to like like Lowry makes so many good looks for everybody else. So you're cutting that entire chunk out for Siakam, and then also adding in all these more difficult looks where he's trying to create for himself and he's the number one target of a defense. And I think he's done a really good job playmaking out of it i think his post passing has come a long way even in just these 10 games to start the year he had six assists last night which kind of went unremarked i think and you know even over the last two games where he maybe hasn't been at his best he's still been probably the best raptor on the floor and his defense has been maniacal and so yeah i'm not concerned or or anything about siakam i think this is to be expected and the looks he's gonna grab over the next little while here are not gonna be as clean or open or easy as he's been accustomed to, and he'll be that much more tired when he's taking them too. So um, it will be much better when everyone can get back. But the, the big development last night certainly was Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. And we'll get to Rondé Hollis-Jefferson in just a second. But first, let me tell you about Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment, including Audible Originals. Audible Originals are stories created exclusively for audio and documentaries, exclusive audiobooks, and scripted shows that you can't hear anywhere else. Audible keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. You'll finish more stories with your list with Audible and always be part of the conversation with the convenient Audible app. You can listen anytime, anywhere, and on any device, mobile, Alexa, Bluetooth, and more. Listen at the gym while shopping, in the car, while traveling, whatever it is that you're doing, Audible can be there for you. Every month, you can choose one audiobook regardless of price, as well as two Audible originals from a fresh selection. Members stay motivated and inspired with an unlimited access to exclusive guided fitness and meditation programs as well. Sign in for free updates from the new york times wall street journal journal and washington post delivered daily to the app as well audible members can easily exchange any title they don't love at any time too members keep their library of listens forever even if you cancel you're still going to have those books that you've already downloaded to start listening with a 30-day audible trial choose one audiobook and two audible originals absolutely free visit audible.com slash locked on nba say for example you want to hear we the champs on audio i don't know if you can on audible right now but if you wanted to try you could certainly look it up there's lots of other books as well i'm reading boomtown right now by sam anderson it's probably on audible as well whatever it is you want to listen to make sure you're doing it with audible at audible.com slash locked on nba hey guys it's walker mail host of the locked on hornets podcast and being around sports media and a fan of the hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? 
Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's get into Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Last night, kind of emerged as a rotation player. He got a little bit of run against the Lakers, if I recall, but it wasn't quite the extended run. I mean, he was absolutely gassed by the time he was done his 29 minutes last night. Nine points, nine boards, three assists, a block, and some incredible defense on Kawhi Leonard, who didn't hit his first basket until midway through the third quarter and finished with 12 points on two of 11 shooting. He had nine assists because apparently he passes like LeBron now. But uh, other than that, Kawhi kind of kept in check. Rondé, I mean, are you surprised that it took this long? The Raptor, it took this long for the Raptors to get to Rondé. Are you surprised at how well he performed last night? Uh, what are your sort of early impressions of uh, apparent Raptors rotation player Rondé Hollis Jefferson? Yeah, I, th- I think now looking back, it might have had more to do with some genuine groin soreness and just being injured. Uh, obviously, the, there was that stretch where Nick Nurse talked about the new faces having to learn what championship pedigree is and what the expectations are with the Raptors and uh, playing that hard and playing that intense and knowing the schemes and being really disciplined when it came to nurses principles. So that was going to take some time, but um, you know, I I thought based on his time with the Nets that he was going to be good enough for at least plugging some gaps in the rotation. And now when you look at him, uh, I think the Raptors are seeing that. I I think the Lakers game was probably uh, maybe a bit more than what you can expect from him offensively uh, for him to, you know, score 10 points, get two assists, and basically have that accumulate to 15 points in 15 minutes. That might be asking a little too much. what we, I think what we saw against the Clippers, though, is something that is more of a reasonable expectation where you can expect him to play extremely hard on the defensive end, where you can expect him to hit the glass, um, where you can expect him to make some mistakes offensively. And <laughs> that's pretty much what he is. Yeah, I, I think he opens up some interesting versatility for the Raptors in, you know, I think he probably is best as a small ball five, considering the skill set he showed last night. I, you know, missing mm-hmm. Fincher or anything like that, but he's a good screener and he can't shoot. So have him be the screener and the dive man, and then sort of space around him and have some success with that because he's a pretty good passer. He threw a couple of passes last night that were nuts. Like I think he like nutmegged a guy to find Pascal in the corner, right. um, and had a couple really nice looking dishes. And so if you're looking to you know, load manage Marcus Saul once Ibaka's back and you're trying to, you know, negotiate a way to do that and you're not maybe trusting Chris Boucher on a given night because who knows if Chris Boucher is going to be this guy, have Rondé be the backup five or, you know, have both of them play at certain times throughout the game. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can have both looks. And what that's going to do for you defensively is pretty terrifying because you could throw out Rondé with Pascal and OG and no one will ever, ever score in that front court. And that's... uh 
that's pretty exciting to think about that all of a sudden there's this guy who might be useful to the rotation in a way that's not just you know soak up 10 minutes and try not to die when you're on the floor you can actually sort of increase your versatility and increase the ways in which you can approach different matchups and mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm pretty intrigued here man and hopefully his like groin holds up he looks like he fell down a couple times last night and was a little bit slow to get up and maybe that was just because he was exhausted playing the first extended run he has all year but i yeah. uh i was a big fan of ronde sort of in that dive man role, even though he's a little bit undersized. I mean, this is 2019. You can be undersized. This is not the end of the world. Um, Any other sort of notes on the players who played in this game? We'll get to OG in the final segment to sort of talk about the implications of that. I'm kind of waiting to see if maybe some news is going to drop while we record. So I'll delay that one as long as possible. But um, notes on Matt Thomas or anyone from the starting five that particularly interested you? Um... I think it, I think it's important to talk about Marc Gasol and yeah. just I, I I think you know the one thing that always sticks with him is his assertiveness on the offensive end of the floor and these just he just can't go through these games while Kyle inserts out and not give them at least you know it it doesn't have to be ten shots but that willingness mm-hmm. to shoot. Uh, will create opportunities and he's such a good passer and teams need to be able to recognize him as a scorer for that to be enhanced and if Mm -hmm. he's just constantly going to you know basically look to play hot potato every time he's on offense it is going to be a tough thing to overcome for an extended stretch and you know part of taking the load off pascal is going to be on him to step up in these moments and I know it's been a rough start. I know he's had a long 12 months. Um, but frankly, I'm just asking him to shoot open shots. Yeah, I, I think that was still an issue last night, even though he took four threes. He probably could have taken like eight last night um, that were granted to him based on just the flow of the offense. And, and I mean, I'm really done with him trying to drive the ball. <laughs> it's right. It never works. He gets like two dribbles in and has to defer back to like Fred or whoever's hanging out behind the arc. And it's it's just not really cutting it um yeah. i did think he was you know excellent on defense in this game he was a big reason why they were so good at the rim once again um yeah. he had five assists and it was nice to see him finally connect with a baseline cut from siakam i've been waiting for that all year because it seems like mm-hmm. they're just a perfect little pet play to run and they finally did it and i was like screaming because i was so happy to finally see it because it's beautiful to behold um yeah. we just haven't quite seen gasol sort of become that hub of the offense that maybe we thought he could be. And maybe they haven't been trying to do that, but also I don't think his sort of hesitance to post up his, you know, lack of aggression helping matters there. If he had more of a scoring threat to him, then maybe teams would be a little bit more concerned about him. And then you could actually sort of use him and use his gravity and his weight as sort of the hub from the elbows, which could maybe help them in this very trying time of half court offense. Um, but you know, baby steps, I guess, you know, he still has like a ludicrous net net rating when he's on the floor. He still, I think is the best on off of anybody on the floor. So like he's doing good things when he's out there, but the offense, you're right. Totally has to come around unless Chris, Chris Boucher is just going to average 14 a game. <laughs> that, that, that helps matters. Um, Boucher, man, what a revelation. Just really fun to see him just bomb those threes and not have them be in garbage time against scrubs and be have them be against real teams. Like it's, I don't know how much it's going to last, but he's looked confident offense and way more sort of 
within himself on defense. Only a couple times has he really had to like fly from out of nowhere because he's terribly out of position to make an impressive block. A lot of them have just been he's at the rim. And there was the Montrez Harrell one. There was a few where he's just in the right spot and he's such a daunting rim protector, even at his slight stature, that he's he's tough to score around, man. It, it's been really encouraging to see Chris Boucher the last couple games. Yeah, it's funny because uh, before the uh, well, once the injury news got out, I was saying that you know this is an opportunity for him, and the one thing we know about him is that he can create highlight real plays. But we're gonna see now how committed he can be to being solid and being in position defensively and boxing out and securing rebounds. But if you can make ten highlight real plays a game. That works too. So maybe <laughs> lean into that part of his game and forget everything I said. And yeah, just keep doing what he's doing because Raptors can use and will take all of it. Yeah. And also one note before we get to OG, uh, Nick Nurse coached his bag off the last couple nights, man. I, yeah. I think the he pressed the right buttons with those bench guys outside of a little part at the end of the second quarter yesterday where I think Matt Thomas was out there maybe a little bit too long and him running around on defense like a chicken with his head cut off was um, funny, but also exhausting. Um, I think he pressed all the right buttons rotation-wise. I think as the game went along, he tried to sort of work in ways for Siakam to get a little bit more free, and they, they hunted switches just like doggedly last night all night long and it's not like it's an easy team to hunt switches against like i mean you're sort of switching between like landry shamit and you know patrick patterson who played pretty well defensively last night i thought you're kind of looking for lou williams at all times which you know that worked a few times certainly um i I just think nurse has done a really good job these last two games just like cobbling together rotation sticking with guys longer if they're if they're giving them something and not sort of yanking them too soon out of fear that it might go off the rails and he just he's Doing very, very well. He needs to work on the minutes, but I'll save the minutes complaints with Fred and Siakam until after Kyle's back at least and then kind of reassess from there. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, We should probably get into OG Ananobi. He got poked in the eye last night by Kawhi Leonard. I can't imagine a more horrifying person to get poked in the eye by than Kawhi Leonard. And apparently both of his contacts fell out. So he got poked in both eyes, was bleeding from the gouge, was the quote from from Eric Kareen. Uh, not great. He only played two minutes in this game. And, you know, they were obviously scrambling to replace his shooting and his defense over the entire game. But uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that successfully over the course of multiple games if he's going to be out here. Still don't have any official word. He went to see an eye specialist today. It's probably going to drop as soon as we finish recording here, so apologies for that. But uh, based on what we know and you know what it looked like, what do they do right now? Like I, I don't really... I, I'm, I, I, this is a tough one to deal with. Having four of the trusted eight out would be a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, based on what we saw in the Clippers game, it looks like Rondé's in for some big minutes. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a really tough loss. And I think the thing that sucks is 
Uh, we saw this at times even last year. Every time it seems like OG's building that momentum, mm-hmm. something random happens and just, you know, just throws a spanner in the works. And so uh, I think that's the most frustrating part of this, uh, that it's such a freak injury. And obviously you hope for the best. Um, and, you know, I guess if there is any kind of positive, uh, it's that his limbs are okay. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you hope that because it's the eye, everything is okay in that regard and he can, uh, his vision will be fine. Um, and we'll wait on that. But yeah, hope, hopefully uh, he's able to get back on the court soon. Um, but at least it's it's not something that should take away from his conditioning or, you know, his preparation, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, tough low um, for OG. He's been so good. Uh, it, it's it's funny. I, I was looking at PJ Tucker stats, and they're so eerily similar right now, huh. um, except OJ OG's up up there in the blocks. Um, and we talked, uh, you know, when he when he came in as a rookie, those are the comparisons that Dwayne Casey made, and everyone sort of uh, looked towards. And to see him already there, and frankly, you know, he's he's already looking like a better or more complete player than PJ Tucker already. So uh, mm. yeah, just, just really hate to see that momentum kind of stopped. But hopefully, he'll get back soon. Yeah, um, the good thing is that we know from last year that he looks cool in goggles. So if he has to support those, <laughs> that won't hurt him aesthetically. Um, I don't even really like joking about the eye stuff because it is such a scary-ass injury, and yeah. we don't know if there's going to be any sort of long-term damage. And God knows OG's had enough wrong go with him and his health and everything, yeah. uh, and personally over the last year or so. So I hope he can get back. And it's it's not an easy thing to fill, man. His defense is essential. I as much as Rondé it was excellent defensively last night, he doesn't offer the same shooting that OG does. So you're not really sort of replacing like for like there. And then if you're gonna get weird and go like Terrence Davis and Norm at the two and three, you're going really small with Fred at the point guard and kind of leaving yourself threadbare on the on the wing on the bench. It, it's not an easy thing to fill in. Obviously, losing four main rotation players and three starters is or two starters and one like six man is not ever going to be easy to fill in but OG's impact on this team is pretty undeniable and has been very useful at all times this season you lose your best guy to help offset the Pascal Siakam defensive burden there's a lot of ramifications from it so uh here's hoping OG's eye is okay here's hoping they got it off of Kawhi's finger intact and uh he's going to be all right. I, I worry that this might finally be the thing that brings Stanley Johnson into the rotation. Although I hope it's Malcolm Miller. If there has to be another wing, it feels like he's kind of been waiting for a shot and this might be it considering his defense and shooting while his defense is nowhere near OGs. It might be the closest stand in to what OG offers as a player that they have on the roster. So maybe that opens a little bit up. Malcolm Miller. What's that? The, the lack of, uh minutes for Malcolm uh or any kind of look in for him is the one is the one thing that has kind of puzzled me yeah that's yeah, weird to be in the doghouse even more so than Stanley Johnson to this point 
Yeah, uh, maybe it's a matter of just like trying to get these other dudes a look. Maybe they know what Malcolm Miller is more than those guys, but that, that's still not a very good explanation to me when you're kind of scrapping for anything to put together to try to, yeah, you know, muscle out these wins. Uh, the nice thing is they play the Portland Trailblazers on Wednesday, who stink and have a just a nightmare roster that I uh, outside of obviously. Dame and sometimes CJ, although CJ's been kind of butt this year. Um, so that'll be fun uh, to watch the Raptors play that game on a Wednesday. Uh, I think that's probably it for today, though. Vivek, do you have anything, any parting shots? Anything you want to promote? Um, I don't have a parting shot, but I have a like a little bit of a plea that is not obviously not, not going to get hurt. Probably not going to get mm. hurt. Um, I, I would, you know, I would love for the broadcast to really, really respect how hard these guys work and how much they play their asses off. And so, I would love if, when you know, we don't need to start making the excuses of oh they're on the second night of a back to back and all that. Uh, this the second the Clippers take a lead, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, let, let's respect how hard these guys play. Um, let's respect how well Nick Nurse can coach, and frankly, whether it's the third game in four nights, whether it's a back-to-back, whatever it is, this team has shown that they can win any game they go into. And let's respect yeah. that. We, we understand the situation. We understand, you know, playing a back-to-back is tough. But it's not something that where we need to make an excuse every time they trail. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point in general, I think. Raptors fans, I think, are sort of maybe skewing back, and maybe this is broadcast related. Maybe it's not, but are skewing back to like the previous ways of like constantly being uh, aggrieved and, and sort of looking for reasons to explain away things. And like, I'm not saying this is everybody, but like last night, Chris Herring uh, made a tweet about how essentially the Raptors are really good at developing. It was kind of a weirdly worded roundabout thing where he was like, maybe right. teams should send their that. guys to the Raptors as a farm team for a couple of years or whatever. And people took it in a extremely surprising direction and took it as some sort of slight. Yes, it maybe maybe was worded weird, but it's also a concept that doesn't exist. So I don't know. If everyone was getting so mad about it. You can't do that. This isn't soccer. And it, it just it was very clearly to me. Chris Herring say, "Look how good the Raptors are at developing players. Other teams should try to do what they do." And people still turn that into a slight. And, and I just I don't know. You, you you've won a title. <laughs> like. The broadcast doesn't need to be explaining stuff away and, you know, feeling aggrieved about the foul disparity. I mean, the Raptors were playing like maniacs last night. It's not a surprise they fouled more often than the Clippers did last night, and there were more free throws for L.A. Um, Same goes for, like, the online stuff and just getting aggrieved over little things. And, look, I I get it. There is maybe a connotation to what Herring said that was a little bit sort of disrespectful of the Raptors, I suppose, if you really, like, sift through it. But, I like... He was saying how good they are at a thing. Take the compliment yeah. and run. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, what what do you got to plug? Oh, just my usual, man. Writing off games. Um, today's an off day for me, so I get to relax a little bit. And back at it tomorrow. So, yeah, I'll have my game column. Uh, well, one thing I will be doing after the road trip is done, just, well, just sort of be looking at the opening 12 games of the season and just seeing where the mm-hmm. Raptors are at and what they've been doing well, what they could get better at. Um, and then that's ho- something I hope to do sort of every 10 games after these first 12. Right on, man. That sounds so, like something I will definitely read and everyone should check out. 
FFM Jacob on Twitter as well. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Please subscribe, rate, review iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And also coming up tomorrow, I'll be doing a podcast with Corbin Smith, who uh, I, I recorded earlier today. We're talking about the Blazers. He has some opinions about Hassan Whiteside. I basically just pressed record and said Hassan Whiteside talk, and Corbin went for like 20 minutes about how Hassan Whiteside is ass, and it was great. So that's going to come out tomorrow with Corbs. Uh, who was the most mm, <laughs> interesting podcast people out there. And uh, <laughs> I hope you <laughs> love you, Corbin, but you, you can't deny it. You are uh, an interesting cat. Anyway, Corbin's on tomorrow. Hope it's hope you enjoy it. And you know, that'll be up in the morning sometime. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.